welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy and here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jerry Springer. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Hey, what's going on? Well, Tell there's me. a lot going on. We're going to be talking in a minute. Uh, I'm going to ask Jerry to talk about uh, his projections for an analysis of uh, Donald Trump's meeting with Kim Jong-un, which is coming up shortly. Yeah. And uh, we also have, and we've asked them to come back. They were here the week before. Uh, and Arlo, it's Arlo McKinley and David Fall. And uh, they're now working together. They uh, have worked on their own for years, and they're excellent as individual performers. Now they've teamed up. And Arlo is the artist in residence at the Southgate House Revival, which is a very popular spot in a place called Covington, Kentucky, which is very near to where we are in Ludlow, Kentucky, and also near Cincinnati. So they will be our musical guest. And uh, Jerry has, and we've talked about it on another podcast, so I don't think we're breaking any privacy code, but he has a Maserati. (laughs) (laughs) That he didn't know he purchased. He thought he Uh, bought a Jaguar. He thought he bought a Jaguar, (laughs) but he had, had, because that's how I didn't know it was in the same dealership. I didn't know. It was blue and white. I said, Let's get that one. Get that Jag. Get and that then, blue Jaguar. Yeah. And then Mickey said, that's not a Jaguar. That's Ding a dong. That's a Maserati. Yeah. And it's, so, so he has this Maserati, and of course, I've never I seen it. Megan's it. never seen it. We don't get to see that sort of if stuff. If anyone wants to buy it. Well, now there. <laughs> I told you, put a post up at the coffee parlor. Now there is the point. <laughs> a little ripoff thing yeah. on the board. But Four no, seven. I have another idea. What? And, uh, you know, I have a business plan for the podcast, and it's a very successful one. Yeah. I initiated uh, Elevator Comics. That How'd that actually, go? That one, Chapter that 7, actually. Yeah, okay. uh, <laughs> Chapter 7. We actually I, still owe money on that, let's be yeah. honest. Then I started the Ludlow City Bus Company. And how's that going? That's I see it. that bus everywhere. Chapter 7. <laughs> yeah. Chapter 7. And, you know, and that's a bit of a problem because they have not, the city has not taken down the signs that have the schedule. And I saw some people waiting, looking at watches. The Ludlow City bus is not coming. It's not right? coming, no. folks. It doesn't exist. Yeah. Get your so, bike. Bring, bring. Got an idea. And we started Turbo Chair. That's have some legal problems. because <laughs> Turns out. Yeah, we don't have a patent because they said, no, we're not doing that. And a number of problems. The internal uh, combustion wear, engine was a problem. And it was a gas, <laughs> gas fumes in the house. Fumes in the house, carbon. Is that monoxide or monoxide. dioxide? Monoxide. I never monoxide, remember because yeah. I flunked chemistry in high school. But I got this idea. Jerry has a, has a Maserati. I would like to ask that you make me the custodian of the Maserati, step one. This is a great idea, starting off. What <laughs> makes you think we're ever going to get to step two? Okay, step one is... <laughs> I take control of the Maserati, yeah. and then I rent it in Ludlow for rides. We all went to Cuba. We did. As the podcast went to yes. Cuba. Uh, yeah, two years and ago. when we were in Cuba, we took a ride one of the afternoons oh, in great. a 1958 Buick convertible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Vintage. So cool. They it was outstanding. They cars in Cuba. Yeah. And we paid the podcast, which means Jerry paid. Thank you very much. He just laid out some, you know, Cuban pesos, and we got in this car, and we rode around for a couple of, for an hour, I Mm -hmm. guess. Yeah. It was amazing. It was great. 
Why can't we get the Maserati down here? We make the headquarters folk school coffee parlor. People make me money. Admittedly, I'll do a little scrape, you know, because I'm doing the work. And then I will drive them around Ludlow. Then, <laughs> Megan, here's where we're going to make the real dough. Okay, I'm waiting for it's it, It's a Jane. little like Christmas where you make all the money at Christmas oh. time in a retail store. Okay, I'm waiting. Prom season. Prom season. Yeah, put some 16-year-olds behind the wheel of a Maserati. <laughs> yeah, that is a dude. brilliant idea. So anyway, that's the that's, uh, yeah, plan. Uh, the part I missed is what's in it for me? Hadn't really thought that through, had you, Gene? <laughs> you no, want me to no, drive I, a Maserati up from Florida it's an here investment. to Ludlow. And I will, you'll make most of the money, to be honest. You'll make what most money? of the money. How much are you well, charging I figured a ride around Ludlow, five bucks a ride. Wow. Oh. So maybe now if he's we have 500 <laughs> people that take this up, it'll pay for the gas. I think, it, by the way, I think in about a three-year period. From Florida here. I think in a three-year period, we might approach that And number. you're thinking prom season is where you're really going to cash Science in. Science wasn't the only subject you didn't do well <laughs> in. I didn't do well and really I many of them. That's well. why he's our business manager. Um, <laughs> what, a, what a great business plan. Your one, friend, I wanted to mention one other thing. Um, oh, let me ask you a quick question. Sure. Could you give a... Watch this, Megan. This is going to be interesting. I want to ask you, Wait. Jerry. Yes. Look at Megan and me and give a report on your contact, if need be, through your agent, with Paul McCartney to be on the podcast. Has it been arranged? <laughs> you have to look over at her. Look at her. Look at, I, I asked a question. You asked me to look at both of you. <laughs> no, I just that's, fair. that's fair. And have that's, and that's about as far arranged. as he got. We just saw it. He's done. Yeah. <laughs> it's been about a month when Paul McCartney yeah. approached you on an a, uh, international flight. Yes. Approached you. Yes. And came over and said, hey, can I, can I talk to you? Can we hang out for a bit? And you did. Yes. And you could have simply said, because it was an honor, was it not? It was an honor. You could have said, hey, Sir I got a Paul podcast. McCarthy. Would yes. you be on it? He would have said, yes, yeah, here's he a number. Would. We set it yeah. up. Yeah. Have you set it up? Um, uh, no. <laughs> I, 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 I. Here's the thought. freaking believable. Here's the thought. Someone yeah. like Paul McCartney, you're lucky enough to meet, and it was a thrill. Yes. And you figure you may get one request in your life. Yes. To ask him. Yes. And you want that one request. Yeah. Be on the show. Here I got Paul McCartney. <laughs> the one request is, would you call in on our show? What else you got? What, what else you got? Ask what, what, yeah, what are you do? thinking? Like, what are you, what holding? are you banking this for? Yeah, what are you holding back for? I've written a bunch of songs. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. You should really just go yeah. with the podcast, buddy. Yeah. Just do the podcast. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway... Uh, Keep it in the mix of the various I'm things get, you might I, want to ask. At some point, I'm, yeah, okay. if I ever, yeah, if there's ever a contact with him again. All right, I, good. I, yeah, yeah, right. He might show up somewhere and uh, yeah. who knows. Uh, I'd like to give props to uh, Gene Galvin, and I'll tell you why. And I'll tell you why. Uh, Gene Galvin and his lovely wife, Bonita, are celebrating on May 4th their 30th 4th. wedding anniversary, Megan. 30 years. 50. Thank you. 30 years. 50 Thank you very years. much. We know it's not 30. 30 Your years. children are 40 years 50 old, Gene. Years. <laughs> You've know, never been able to figure that out. <laughs> you have been married 50 years this May. 5-0. Wow. 
Congra- that, that is great. That's good. Yeah. Bonnie deserves so many awards. Yeah. <laughs> 50 I years. So that makes you. I am 61 years old. <laughs> and well, I am 61 see, years yeah, old. You were an 11 year old. And I. Uh, Didn't really think my that. wife was when I married her 16. She she we live in Kentucky, so that's perfect. But you lived fine. in Ohio. Yeah. So no. she You're was so 16 and you were 11. I was so 18. I was a senior in high school. She was a sophomore. It's not even close. She to never being the finished truth. high school. <laughs> I finished barely finished high school. Went out and got a job immediately. The rest is history. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's my story. That's 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 my story. That's my story. That's my story. I got 45 years, but you have 50, so that's great. But then, of course, you're a lot older than I. That's <laughs> <laughs> so not true. 50 years. 50 years. Uh, that is, that is, I mean, that really that, is incredible. That, that really Congratulations. is. That's good, good for Bonnie. Yeah. Good, yeah. Good for, I think it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I think it's ridiculous. My marriage is less. Well, I don't tell Mickey what I do for a living. She, <laughs> she doesn't No, she know. thinks I sell insurance. She doesn't know how Jerry's <laughs> you know, Do you know, I do remember, this is, this is no joke. When we were doing the radio show, what, 10, 11 years ago, yeah. during the break, um, Mickey called, and she really didn't watch your television show. No. She like, really, truly didn't. No. Well, he gets a call from Mickey one day, and he goes, oh, my God, she watched the show. And she said, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. what you, at- no wonder people want you dead. Yeah. This is yeah, disgusting. Really. <laughs> yeah. I that, saw it, Cher. It's that's, awful. <laughs> that's a true story. She called up one day. I'd been doing the show already for 10, 20, 15, 15 years. years. Yeah. No I tuned in. She called one... up. She says, oh, my God. I said, what, what? Just she wanted... said she took off her blouse. I said, what are you talking about? I just saw your show. Right. I've been doing it for 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> you like the curtains, don't you? <laughs> yeah. How about All the, right. How about the huh? How's that Maserati? The Maserati, baby? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. No wonder people want you dead. Yeah. <laughs> That's a long list. Don't it? Yeah. Hey, speaking of the show, uh, it's gone for 27 years, yeah. which is like a record for yeah. daytime it talk really shows. It really is. Uh, it's near. Let me ask you to, yeah. let me ask you to uh, pick out one episode that, uh, well, I don't know. I'll give you a criterion, a culturally elevating that, that helped. Uh, that helped <laughs> the betterment of American yeah, society. That better society in our country, in our own borders. Don't worry about Spain or... All the good you're doing for right Spain. Here, right here, yeah, <laughs> what you're doing for Spain. The one that did... Well, there were two things that benefited the country. The last show I do will benefit the country. Immensely. That's a good point. Because I'll be stopping. Yeah. That's a benefit to the country. That's a good point. The other thing is people don't realize that, but my show has saved taxpayers millions of dollars. How so? Well, because our show is shown around the world. When other countries see our show, they no longer want to take us over. Ah, (laughs) yeah. And so we don't have to spend so much on defense. Look at you. You See, I'm thinking of that You really are, Springer. He's a swell guy. A swell guy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going down to Keeneland. Well, I think I'm going to Keeneland tomorrow, I think. Uh, if you get your tire fixed. I got a, I got a flat tire on. Yeah. I drive a 83 Plymouth Reliant. That's what, <laughs> that's what I drive. Yeah. And I have trouble with all sorts of things on oh, that that's car. that's right. You don't have a Maserati. I, no, I do not have a Maserati. Well, for those that don't, Keeneland Loser. is a racetrack in, in, in Lexington, Kentucky. It was built in the... Tw- it is absolutely Yeah, it's beautiful. Stunning. kind of she-she. Yes. Everybody's sort oh, of putting on the dog and yeah. acting yeah. all it's, that. And, it's not Churchill Downs. It's not, you know, it's it's not Derby. It's not that big. It's just, it's it's very pretty. You're going to yeah. have a yeah. great time. Well, Lots if I can get anything. there, because i got to deal with this flat tar. T- flat tar. And uh, <laughs> i got to change that tar and do the whole deal, and it's going to take... 
be out there with a jacket. Uh, didn't I offer as we were driving over here to, to change, change your tire? tire? And I asked Jerry. Do you know how to do that? No. He does not. <laughs> he does not. I could go out right no, now. You cha- you, I can change a tire. And change no, the tire. You get, I, no, I that can. is stupid. If you get a flat tire, you get a new car. I've changed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've changed tires and heat flat tires. You can buy a car that doesn't have a flat tire. Why not get a new car? You know where he would be stumped? My car, the 83 Plymouth Reliant, (laughs) has some really tricked out wheels on it. I got, you know, I didn't just get the standard. I got one some really tricked out wheels. And they have wheel locks because people want to seal them. Want to seal those. He would be stumped at, I can't get the effing wheel off because this one lug won't. Has a lock on it. I can't get the lug wrench around it. Yeah. He would be stumped right there. No, I would be stumped as, how do you open this door? <laughs> what is this? No yeah. one's here to open the door. What is a trunk? Yes. What is a, yeah. a spare kit? <laughs> Isn't it Geico or some insurance company says, you know, Dad says oh, you yeah. can't change a tire. <laughs> and he <laughs> said, I can change a tire. Is this a lug wrench? Uh, yeah, sure. Maybe? Maybe. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes, Dad, I know how to change a tire. Is this a, is this a lug wrench? <laughs> yeah. Actually, I swear to God, this is true. Mickey asked me on the phone last night. Have you, if I've ever opened the uh, the hood, yeah, of um, a, a any Bentley. car, the Bentley, and and I never have. I have no idea what the engine looks like. Hmm. That was an honest end because something apparently is dropping down. Squirrels. I hate you. I hate you so. But I really. How can I have a car and never have opened the hood? I have no idea. We're wondering that. That's a great question, Springer. Never had to put washer fluid in it. Never had to do anything. No, No. guess not. I say, Benjamin, can you open the (laughs) The Bentley and put some washer fluid in it for me? Oh yes, for gosh sakes. Well, let me. And I want to ask you a, a more serious question. But 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 first, let me ask. Well, this is serious. I propose you rent a flatbed truck and bring to me to be the custodian of the, not only the Maserati, but also the Bentley. Because I don't think you're responsible enough to have cars like that. I really don't. I, you know, I actually agree with you, Gene. I don't think I do agree with that. I don't think it's fair to the cars. <laughs> I, I, I it's agree. car abuse. I like cars. Yeah, I do too. You're, it's car you're abuse. a disgrace. Once again, I'm selling the cars, so give me a call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If Send you, it if you, on your on our. Uh, I'll website. put it on the website. We want, we'll yeah, we'll put a picture. Hey, let me price. ask you: What year is it? What year is the Maserati? Um, fourteen. A two thousand and twenty fourteen, and it has less than fifteen hundred miles on it. Well, are, are you kidding drive, me? You have no business owning these. Less cars. than fifteen hundred miles on a car that's four years old. Yeah, the only time I've ever been in it is like when Richard, my grandson's down. And, you know, he, oh, can we go? So I put the top down and I drive around the block. Do you, when was the last that's, time you had the oil change in the Maserati? Now, see, there you when go, When you Megan. get a new car, you get new oil. <laughs> Here's what he does not understand. This is that Why car. change the oil? <laughs> see, you, you, you're never committed to anything. You always want to change. You, you gotta, bought the car with oil. It's good oil. Keep the oil. You got to get it changed even if it's in a garage. You know that, right? He does not. He does not know about how oil breaks down, even synthetic oil. It's been oil. sitting you've in the garage got, for four years, and you've done no, Oh, you've got to change it on a schedule. You yeah. don't just change it on the miles. you yeah. got to change it on Especially time. Especially for a also. Maserati. Yeah. I hate you. Like, really? Well, this thing may not run then. <laughs> it's very true. Now, here's, here's what here's will happen. And, and I'm going to try oh, to help man. you sell it. We're going to put it on the website. On the Starbucks uh, board outside. And we're going to put it out the, there uh, with some tear-off board. numbers. <laughs> 
and they're going to have, because I have his cell number, they're going to have his cell number. People are going to, it's going to have his name on it called Jerry Springer at this number. <laughs> I'm going to put it in absurd. bathrooms, both men and women's <laughs> around the area. We're going to sell that car, Megan. Every Motel 6 between here and Florida. Exactly. Yeah, here's that's going where to be, you get the people that are going to buy the Maserati. Right. Mm-hmm. Here's going to be the problem. In a Hotel 6? You don't it, know. It, don't you judge. I'm not judging. <laughs> I'm not judging, right. but if you're staying at a Hotel 6... It's a motel. Probably, it's a Motel, it's a motel six, 6, first of all. <laughs> you probably don't have a Maserati. You just don't know that. How many Springer. people... Are there? You go by a parking lot of Motel 6. You count the Maseratis. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe they're just looking for the opportunity. So <laughs> <Thank> there. You. <laughs> you will see a 1983 Plymouth Reliance. Oh, a few I, of those. Hey. <laughs> hey, Megan, it's the K-car. It's the K-car. It, it, it was a hot ticket in 1983. It, uh, here's what's gonna, somebody's going to buy the car. We're going to we're going to hustle it here, and they're going to buy it, and it's going to run just fine. But when it's going to start breaking is in about five years because of all that crappy oil that's just been sitting Built in there. Up, yep. And so it's not going to fire properly, no. etc. Oh well. And by the way, if you're put if you put on fifteen hundred miles in four years, which maybe is it's not that much, low, but no, it's, it's even less. Much. If you make me the custodian of that car and I drive it around on Havana, Cuba kind of tours of Ludlow, Kentucky, I won't put any more on it in the next four years. And I just need the privilege and I need you to sign something here that says yeah. I can drive it on my vacations and some have of the things I need to do. Have you seen me sign something that you handle? No, never. <laughs> never. Not once. I have <laughs> never, ever seen that. No, just not no. going to happen. No. <laughs> more chance that I'll change a tire on a Maserati. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The agreements he makes with me are as good as uh, Trump's agreements with Iran. They with just anybody, don't mean really. anything. With yeah. anybody. Uh, speaking of that. Yes. Trump is going to meet. He's the king of the segues. Speaking Segway. of that. <laughs> speaking of that, Trump is going to meet with Kim Jong-un. Yes. In the near future. Yes. What's your take on that? Well, I'll start off this way. I, you know. Let's face it, most of the podcasts we do have not been very kind to Donald Trump, not because I particularly have anything against him personally. I just don't think he should be president. And, you know, I've said that many times, and uh, nor do I like his policies. But a discussion that has happened several times fairly recently when people see how much I don't want him to be president, people will say to me on the other side is, you know, because I come across as, totally partisan, and I guess in a large extent I am. And then they say, is there anything, he must have done something good. Name one thing good that he did. And you feel, you really feel like intellectually dishonest to say that nothing he's done has been good. Um, because any, any human, you know, Mussolini, if he told his kid, don't cross against a red light, you wouldn't say, don't listen to Mussolini. You'd say, no, that, there he was right. You shouldn't, you know. So I'm not that I'm saying Trump is Mussolini, but I'm saying just because a guy has bad policies or is wrong on most big issues doesn't mean that he never does anything that you can agree with. And so, because obviously I love my country and I want the president to do well. I mean, really, why, why would any of us want the president not to do well? When he does something good, I think it's fair to say, without being sacrilegious, is that I like the idea when Trump said, I'm going to meet with Kim Jong-un of uh, North Korea. 
I thought that was good. Because all the time, people like me are going around saying, diplomacy, diplomacy, got to talk to these people, work something out. So, hats off. I hope he succeeds in this. Do I deep down think it will be successful? I don't know. But I'm not going to condemn him for trying to get something done with Kim Jong-un. That is good. And I think those of us who are Democrats or liberals or whatever, I think props to him if he gets this done. That's okay. Now, the Trump supporters will go around, and Trump himself will say, because he, he was the tough guy, now all of a sudden Kim Jong-un is coming to the table willing to talk. That's where I disagree with the analysis. We have two countries here, the United States and North Korea, and in terms of the evil that is done in North Korea, there's no comparison, so that's unfair. What is probably fair is that both countries are being led right now by what we term loose cannons, and, and, and that means it's totally unpredictable people, and even Trump's greatest supporters will say he's totally unpredictable. So when you're talking about nuclear arms, that's kind of scary to have a loose cannon making these decisions. So you have North Korea and the United States, Trump and Kim Jong-un, and you say, oh my gosh, how can this possibly end well? Well, something ought to be said about Kim Jong-un, which is contrary to conventional wisdom. I maintain that Kim Jong-un may be a loose cannon, but he's really smart. He is playing this better than Henry Kissinger ever could. I mean, think about it. Kim Jong-un's main goal in life is to have his regime survive. Everything he and his father and his grandfather have done since the end of uh, World War II, is to have North Korea and his regime survive. Total dis dictatorship, does horrible things to his people, but he personally wants to survive. That makes him a little different than a terrorist. Terrorists are willing to blow themselves up because they believe they're going to a better place. But Kim Jong-un is like most political leaders in the world. They want to survive. And so Kim Jong-un is very smart. He realizes that his security, it, nuclear weapons, that's the one thing that has stopped anybody from toppling him. So he's the tough guy. You know, Trump can play tough and give tough words, but really, what is America going to do? We're not going to, you know, unless we're attacked, we're not going to nuke North Korea because Hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people would be killed, including tons of Americans and tons of South Koreans. And all of a sudden, China's in and North Korea and uh, Japan's in. So that's not an option. He can bluster all he wants, but Trump knows that we're not going to send nukes to North Korea. But we don't know that about Kim Jong-un. So the reason he keeps testing, and he's not just saying words, he actually has been doing these tests. He actually had missiles fly over Japan. He actually had a missile that went far enough in distance that it could have hit Seattle. So he's 
he's really upping the ante in terms of his use of nuclear testing. And now look what's happened. Remember, he wants to survive. The nuclear weapons have been his key to survival because nobody wants to mess around with that. But there's one other thing that has been going on with Democrat and Republican presidents in the last 15 years, 20 years, and that is the installation of sanctions. And the sanctions are getting tougher and tougher. So all, not all of a sudden, but gradually, North Korea is suddenly in horrible economic shape. Nuclear weapons make sure that no outside country, no other country comes and attacks and does away with his regime. But economic collapse from the inside will mean that forces within the country will topple the regime. No dictator survives if their country falls apart internally. No matter how bad the dictator is, eventually gets toppled because people have to eat. So all of a sudden... Kim Jong-un figures out weapons aren't going to do it alone. We've got to get some economic help because we're isolated. So he's smart enough to figure out, I will use this increased testing now to bring people to the table. And look what he has done in the last couple of months. First, he goes to China for the first time ever. The leader of North Korea visits the next door neighbor, China knowing China doesn't want a nuclear, nuclear weapons next door to it, doesn't want a war there, and certainly doesn't want America coming in, going to war with North Korea, backing South Korea. Suddenly American troops are all over the peninsula, and not just in South Korea. And suddenly China has lost its influence in Southeast Asia, and America is right on its doorstep. So China has a real interest in North Korea, not having nuclear weapons. Then he accepts invitation to go to the Olympics in South Korea. And he suddenly establishes relations with South Korea, knowing that the Korean people really would like that, in a sense, wall to come down because relatives want to be able to, you know, people want to be able to go and see their relatives across the wall, just like it was in Berlin. And so now he's suddenly establishing relations with South Korea, And South Korea is saying, yes, if you agree not to do the nuclear weapons, we can work something out. We'll sign a peace treaty. Remember, the Korean War never ended. There's just a ceasefire. But there's never been a formal peace treaty. So they want to now sign a peace treaty. And North Korea would be willing to do that if South Korea is starting to give economic aid to North Korea. And, of course, the United States, which doesn't want North Korea to have these nuclear weapons. All of a sudden, we're in the the conversation as well. We're going to meet with Kim Jong-un. So what he has done by testing and all this, the, the weapons, the nuclear weapons, and by sending these missiles all over the place, he has brought, within a year, China, South Korea, the United States, And even Japan that comes to visit the United States because they want to be part of all this, all together. And what are they going to do now? What are we all going to do? We are going to guarantee in exchange for doing away with nuclear weapons, we are going to guarantee that Kim Jong-un, his regime, 
gets economic aid and thereby stays in power. That's the guarantee. And he can trust it because he knows that China doesn't want America to come in. South Korea doesn't want China to come in. So everybody's got a stake in keeping this place peaceful. And the price is he used the weapons to get the economic aid he needs to guarantee his survival. This man is no dummy. Thank you, Gary. All right. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, as Jean mentioned at the top of our program, we do have Arlo McKinley and David Fall coming back to join us. Give them a big welcome. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. Welcome Thank back. You. Thank you. <laughs> All right. You're wearing the same thing you wore last week. So are you. Don't judge. <laughs> you are awfully judgy tonight. <laughs> All right. So first song we're going to hear from you this evening, Gone for Good. Is that correct? That is correct. All right. And if, we haven't, if you haven't heard from last week, you can check out Arlo and David at the Arlo McKinley and Lonesome Sound Facebook page. Um, and they have a new album coming out in early fall. This year, slated for early fall called Die Midwestern, Volume 1.
And these gentlemen were playing individually for a while, and about a year ago, they came together to form this dynamic duo. So, how is it? How are you? Have you played in other bands before? I mean, obviously, you've played with other musicians before, but have you worked as closely as you have in this past year together? And how's that been? Uh, I don't. I think this is about as close as I've been playing with somebody really in the last oh, really? six months. We we play a lot together, and we connect really well. It's a nice style between the piano and his style of guitar goes well. Beautiful. Just our styles seem to match our writing style, so it's been great. And I've worked with a lot of great guys, and I still do. And uh, but it's really the music is what kind of has been driving it. It's been great. It's a beautiful sound. It really, nice. really is. It's worked out well. Yeah. I actually uh, must confess, I just brought you here, Dave, to tell you that I've been cheating on you. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, well, come on out. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. You think you're here to perform. We got a show for you. God, you are ready to do that at any given moment, oh, aren't you? <laughs> there's a show in everyone's life. <laughs> that should be the name of your book. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Song number two from these gentlemen is A Song is Born. Arlo McKinley and David Fall. Don't come so easy And the rivers drive From salt upon our land See the crow fly And the eagle fall From its throne And a lover's scorn Finally a song is born When the mountains Are stripped from sea Father uses fear for something righteous good. 
but God and the heart is torn. Finally, the song's born. When I realize that love only lasts if we make it. When I found out it was not only up to me. When the lover that I thought would love me forever had gone. Yeah, my heart was torn. Finally, these songs born. McKinley and David Fall, if you guys wouldn't mind singing again with the one, one and only Mr. Jerry Springer, a little down by the riverside. You can check these guys out again on Facebook at Arlo McKinley and the Lonesome Sound, and their new, their new uh, CD will be out early fall, so look for it. Do we have the words? Oh my gosh, you sing this every week. Down by the riverside, down oh. by the riverside, down by the riverside. <laughs> <laughs>
Y'all come back now, you hear?